theme, the death of normal. Thing three, what will this make of us? There's a lot of boredom today. Stuck at home in fear of the pandemic, furloughed from work by economic troubles, caught politically in the struggle between power and justice. We have some time on our hands. At least we have that. While we lament and ruminate about all that we have lost, space is open for us to imagine what we could gain. This is a perfect time to begin a conversation about spiritual matters, spiritual needs, spiritual questions. More than politics or religion, this is the conversation that matters. Near the end of the Gospel of John, after the resurrection and amid the accounts of Jesus' appearances to the disciples, John indulges in an editorial digression. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. John reminds us that the word not only has meaning, it has purpose. As Luther would later assert, the word is a living being, a sacramental gift for the transformation of living beings. As we are in Christ and in his word, we are continually in the throes of baptism, drowning daily, continually rising to new life. Our inability to progress as persons and as a world is a symptom of our rebellion against the word that brought us to life at the font. Our inability to progress as persons and as a world is a symptom of our rebellion against the word brought to life at the font. The pandemic and the violence are not the most significant agents of death at work in the world. They are but a pale shadow of the death that stalks our every breath. We do not surrender ourselves fully to the grace that gives us life, and in that we die every day. Yet we have been declared redeemed reckoned faithful, brought from death to life, from lost and worthless to cherished and valued. We have been accorded a living faith. This gift is not given in vain. We are saved by grace to be instruments of grace. We are called to bring light into the world. We are here to complete the mission of Jesus, to transform minds and hearts and live. And we are not fulfilling that calling. Is it because we do not know how to change? How do we answer God's call to be agents of change? How do we answer the world's plea to be agents of change? The answer is writ large in this moment. The demise of the familiar is an opportunity to seek the new, to write a new chapter to a story that really, really needs a new plot. After all, Jesus' call to repent translates quite literally as to turn in 180 degrees and go in a different direction, or to change, not in knowledge or attitude or feeling, but to turn our back on the past and move forward on a new path. How do we come to be open to the Spirit's leading and fulfill the promise in which we were created? The answer is not a testimonial so much as it is a dialogue with the world, and it goes like this. Where is God? He lives in us. Paul's reproach to the Galatian Christians was born in his own experience of the overwhelming transformative power of grace. His arrest by Jesus on the road to Damascus 
brought him to his knees. It could not be escaped. They could not be resisted, not with much success anyway. It revealed the totality of his own and the world's deceit without room for excuse or escape. And thus hollowed out, Paul could know only one conclusion. If there was to be good, it could not originate from him. It could, however, come through him. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me, he concludes. I see him shouting this with flailing arms and bulging veins and great bravado. It's a revolution, a triumph. It is a great privilege and the cradle of possibility. Freed from the failures of yesterday, tomorrow could be. Tomorrow must be. God gives life, and now he calls us to live. In that announcement, the confession is torn from our lips. Our lack of faith has consigned us and our world to death. We believe in corruption. We worship greed. We deny our neighbor. We trust liars. We worship a Christ, but refuse to follow Jesus. We revel in pomposity and grandeur and haughtiness that does not model the life or words of the leper-touching, fisher-calling, boundary-crossing, foot-washing man we call Savior. In all we do and say, we deny the life that is so freely given us. There is no hope on the path we are now traveling. If the world is to survive this moment, nay, if the world is to be transformed by this moment, we must change. We must really and truly change. There is an opening in front of us now, not merely for medical healing from the virus or economic hearing from the looming recession, not just social healing from centuries of systemic racism. There is actual space in us and in the world now for a great transformation of the human spirit. Healing grace can flow through us and into the world in the deaths of old wrongs and hurts to make way for something new to be born. Let us dare to stop and take a honest and fearless inventory to borrow a phrase, of ourselves, our behaviors, and our beliefs, our works, and our world, that we might finally emerge from death and become the life of the world. Let us open our eyes to what God is revealing now. Please join me again next week as we begin a new theme, community, with the first question, the problem of me.